got to know your teachers. You've got to know your students. You've got to know your community. I, I can't adequately advocate for what they need if I'm not confident that I know what that is. And so it takes an, a, a good, active, skillful leader who's engaging with all these people, which again, in my mind, means that they see themselves as a servant to the people that they are working with and that, and that they have put themselves out there to really get to know them and to listen a lot to what they need. And I think that that advocacy can be more compelling for those that they're speaking to whenever it's really clear that the point of all of this is for the kids. to another episode of the USEP podcast. I'm your host, Kara Bettis, I'm president-elect of the USEP board, and my co-host is... Hey, everybody. My name is Derek Larson, here again with Uelma. Uh, uh, I serve as the communication and PR person for Uelma. And remember, Derek is my co-host this year as we combine with USEP and Uelma for our conference in March. We would like to welcome our guests today, starting with Divina. Hi, everyone. My name is Davina Southoff. I am the Library Media Specialist for the Utah State Board of Education, and I'm excited to be here with you all. Excellent. And then Katie. Hi, I'm Katie Dewey-Hill, and I work at USBE with Davina. I'm the Quality Instruction Coordinator, and my focus areas are instructional coaching and professional learning standards. Which is like the perfect topic. I wonder why we asked both of you here today. So our topic for the podcast this year, we're exploring the professional learning standards from USBE and October's topic is skillful leaders. So we have two awesome leaders as our guests here. And so we can't wait to dive into your thoughts and feelings about professional learning and building leadership and what opportunities that creates for educators across the state. So let's dive into my favorite part, which is the icebreaker. So who is your dream fictional leader slash boss and why? Well, I cannot think of somebody fictional. So can I share somebody in real life? Sure. I don't that just like really inspires me for a lot of reasons. I would love to be to have Michelle Obama be my leader, mostly because I just want to carpool karaoke with her all day long. But beyond that, I just think she finds value in every human being that she interacts with. And so I just find that so inspiring. I love it. Well, and she'd make you exercise. <laughs> I was I was thinking about this question, and I think that the more I think about it, it was like because a lot of leaders in fiction are just terrible, or <laughs> like that's part of the story. But I also was like, okay, you know what? Who's a good one? Aslan, the lion from Lion Witch Wardrobe, would be one. You know, because he and this has been circling in my mind a lot. He cared about Narnia. He wanted to take care of the creatures of Narnia. That was top priority. So much that he even sacrifices himself later you know spoiler but like I, I i just appreciate the fact that like we don't 
have enough, I think, leaders in pop culture and in in our society that we can see where it's like they truly care about serving the people that they're charged with serving. And that's where I think, like, I hope we shift to more of that moving forward. And yeah. Maybe democracy will help us with that, Davina. As we're... So getting into our topic, we mentioned that we're looking at the standard of skillful leaders, and that entails the description says professional learning requires skillful leaders who develop capacity, advocate, and create system support systems for professional learning. So let's dive into our questions. Derek, do you have one that you'd like to start with? I do. This is a, I think it's a good one to start. You know, how can leaders develop capacity in their schools? and districts because they can't just be them. So how do they develop that capacity of others? I, I would say that the important thing would be like the leader needs to help other people get better, which means that they need to be a good example of what it looks like to try and always try to get better. And so where they're nurturing the, the growth of their educators, nurturing the growth of the staff, nurturing the growth of the students, and the families too, I think everybody all together, just selecting for those traits in the school community that make it better moving forward. And so we don't, we don't speak about people negatively, especially in front of other people. We, we focus on the assets that they're bringing to the table and praise those and, and help create understanding across the school to where it's not about, I'm the leader, you should look at me and I'm awesome, to where it's, I'm the leader and my job is to help create the conditions for everybody to be successful. And that's, that's my charge. And so I think it takes a leader with that kind of vision where your motivation is to make it better and not look like you're the best, <laughs> which means that you're going to have to be okay with falling down and owning it when it happens. And, and so I think in my mind, like developing capacity is something that has to be top of mind for it to happen. You know, like whatever I'm doing, that's the end game is that I'm building capacity of the school to reach students. And I won't do it. I will work as hard as I can to not do anything that would compromise that vision. And which means you have to be hyper conscious of like, okay, <laughs> it helps you realize when is it that that tension between, you know, what hills do I die on? And what do I let go? And what do I give grace on? And and helping to, to and so because if you're, if the people you're leading know that you've got a purpose, and that your purpose is to help them get better, it creates a lot of currency for you to be able to support them, and and trust. And so, I think touching on Katie is just like student centered, right? Like the the student comes first, and their families. And that the work that we do is always focused on that. That's what came to mind as you were talking about that. It's just that that vision of we want what's best for our students. We want to provide, create a culture and environment and a learning and learning experiences that support their learning and achievement. One thing that I thought that was coming to mind when you were speaking, Katie, was this idea of intentionality. Because like you said, if you don't have that first and foremost in your mind, like so many other things will take its place just because you're putting out fires, right? Often leaders are running from one thing to the other. And if they don't have their major priorities or their major goals kind of front and center, it's really easy to let them fall by the wayside. And so I think that's one thing that sets apart good leaders is that they build capacity for other people, but they also help other people see the vision and 
make time for those priorities as well. Well, and I think that happens whenever we empower people to have the confidence to be able to put out the fires, you know, so because sometimes we as humans can kind of take a little pride in being constant firefighters. It means we're important. It means that we're in there and, you know, they couldn't live without me. You know, <laughs> and, and, and if you've created a world where they couldn't live without you, that's not great because what happens when you're not there, you know, and 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 so we need to help these educators, these children, everybody involved. To be able to kind of, one, not have as many fires because they understand what there's, what's expected of them and what they're supposed to be doing. But also, like, how do you handle it whenever something comes up that you're not sure what to do? You know, and if everybody's empowered to start to develop that muscle, then there's so much more a school can accomplish because the principal is, I'll just say the principal, that's a role I'm calling out right now. The principal isn't spending all of their time putting out fires, but they're being instructional leaders who are doing, in my opinion, the fun part of the job, which is planning professional learning and supporting teacher growth and all those things. So I was always told by by good leaders that a good leader is constantly trying to make themselves unneeded and replace themselves. Because as Katie, as you were saying, you can't be there all the time. And if everyone's relying on you, you're so irreplaceable, then what happens when you're not there? It all falls apart. Well, people, people retire, people leave. And so the best leaders are constantly training someone to take their job so that when they do leave, there it is. We're ready. We have a nice area to pull from. And I love what you said as well. The fact that, you know, I think it was radical candor. Kim Scott, she, they were the one that said a good rule of thumb is for feedback is praise in public, criticize in private. And that's huge. That's super powerful. Whether that's students, teachers, other people, anybody, I mean, that, that, that's what you want to really be doing. I think that's something that great leaders do. So thank you for that. Think about how like teachers feel when they problem solve on their own, when they find solutions, like the confidence that builds, the, just the feeling that they get from, from when they are successful at something. And same with our students, right? We want our students to have those opportunities too. So when a leader can do that, provide opportunities for teachers to shine, I think it adds to the culture of the school. It adds to their own, you know, belief in themselves and wanting to reach more and, and achieve more. Yes, I love that. That actually segues nicely into the next question I want to get into. One of the descriptions of skillful leaders is create support systems for professional learning. And I wanted to ask you guys, what does that look like? Like, how do skillful leaders do that? I think. The, the oh sorry did you want to go pause take two okay I think what the a, a skillful leader knows their resources you know and those resources include people they include things they include time and having a vision for what you want the professional learning to accomplish is going to be pretty important to its success because it helps you focus at every school leader every district leader every teacher, leader, everybody has so much to do that if you don't have a plan, things fill the vacuum. And so if if everybody can come to professional learning, whether that's in a session or the coaching sessions that, you know, are supported by that whole group professional learning, perhaps, knowing what we're here to do, what are we developing all together, that creates that community with learning community, another standard, <laughs> creating that ability to sustain it to where it's not my job as the principal to know everything about what we're, you know, making sure every heart is won over. 
I do have a duty to try and, and help people see the purpose. But if they see the purpose, as we know about adult learners, they're going to buy in because it's useful. It's relevant. It helps them with their own goals, which is I want to be a better teacher. I want to be a better coach. I want to be a better principal. If you see that, then you're going to engage because it's useful and relevant. If you don't see that, the likelihood of your engagement is less. So having the vision to be the the bones of what you're, you're doing and building with your school is, is going to be critical because you need to be able to clearly articulate the why. And I just, I think that that's one of the ways that, you know, you're creating a system and recognizing that you're one part of the system, but that you're leading it, which means you need to be able to help all the other parts of the system see the meaning in what you're investing in with this, which means they need to be co-creators. They need to be able to engage in the design and the plan and the priorities and all of that. And I just think it takes a leader who's willing to cede a certain level of control, which, you know, honestly, as educators, that's something we usually have to learn later. <laughs> Not on The path of least resistance is to control everything. But if we, we have to dial that back a little bit, just in order to trust our people and to help. So we can't build a good system if we don't trust anybody who's part of it. And so that's another thing that, you know, I think in being a skillful leader, if you don't trust your people, you need to figure out how you can or how to build their capacity so that you can trust them. So I have a question then. So we were talking about good leaders, effective leaders helping to create the support systems. But my, but my thing is sometimes the leader has to advocate for their people. So how can a leader best advocate for their staff and for their people within the organization without coming across as a tyrant either to their group or to others? So how do we effectively advocate without getting the hit, being put on somebody's hit list? Well, I, I think they really need to know what they're talking about. And that means they really need to know who their people are, you know? And so advocation without knowledge of what you're advocating for can come off as just abrasive yelling, you know, like, I don't know what you, but like to help people believe in what you're advocating for, you have to really believe it, which means that you've got to know your teachers. You've got to know your students. You've got to know your community. I, I can't adequately advocate for what they need if I'm not confident that I know what that is. And so it takes a, a, a good, active, skillful leader who's engaging with all these people, which again, in my mind, means that they see themselves as a servant to the people that they are working with and that, and that they have put themselves out there to really get to know them and to listen a lot to what they need. And I think that that advocacy can be more compelling for those that they're speaking to whenever it's really clear that the point of all of this is for the kids. And, and here's what we need to do for the kids. Um, and that that can make, that only makes sense if you know what you're saying, if you understand what those needs are and that what you're asking for aligns with what those needs are and that you're engaging with all the people because then you're not the lone advocate. You've got a whole group of people, including your neighborhood, who are supporting what you're asking for. And as we see in board meetings, you know, like there's people that that have opinions and share those in public comment and people that share those in other parts of those meetings. In order to be a credible person, you know, it often will take a second. Somebody has to say, I've seen this and I see what you're talking about to be moved. And so I think that that just 
challenges the leader to not be in their office all the time, but to be out amongst the people, working with the teachers, working with the students. Otherwise, they won't know what those needs are and won't feel confident. You know, if, if we love something and care about it deeply, we're going to go ahead and put ourselves out there in maybe an uncomfortable situation to fight for it. If we don't, and we can't really love things we don't understand, <laughs> then we then we we may be more hesitant to be an effective advocate for those that we're we're talking for. I love that because one of the big things we talk about with the teacher fellows is that leaders, regardless of what your job position is, leaders show up, right? And like you said, you have to have real experience to draw from because that's going to be the most powerful thing that you can share with policymakers and with community members because like they can they are not as moved by statistics and like studies and all this kind of stuff. But if you can say as a teacher, like this is what is happening in my classroom, this is what's happening in my community, those are the really powerful stories that illustrates the need and then also shows like where where leadership is needed and also where support is needed and resources are needed. I think you're both so right. Like I think in, if you do not know your people, you do not know your school community, it's impossible to advocate for your students, for your teachers, for any of that. This reminds me of a book that I read and I cannot remember the title of it, but it was the, the story was telling was basically the woman was telling about how she had had a CEO coach. So there's coaches for CEOs. Isn't that amazing? And she was complaining one day to her coach that when she gets to the office in the morning, it takes her an hour to get to her desk because everyone along the way stops her and is like, oh, my grandbaby was born yesterday. Oh, my daughter's going to college. Oh, I'm going on this vacation. And she was just very lamenting about how much she hated that hour it took her to get to her desk. And her CEO coach said, that is the most important hour of your day is the relationships that you are building with your people so that they feel loved and cared about so that the work can be done you know as a community we know who they are we know how to help them we know how to support them and I just that always stuck with me to this day I remember nothing else about the book except for that story about that important hour of the day getting to know her her people but how does an effective leader help an ineffective subordinate so I, I use those words particularly because I want to get away from the principal-teacher dynamic because I think leadership happens regardless, again, of what your job title is. So, again, how does an effective leader help an ineffective subordinate? So someone that they're leading, right, and they're not fulfilling their potential. <laughs> how do they help them do that? I think this is so hard. And probably a place that I feel like I struggle a little bit is knowing how to, you know, move a teacher to the next step or another staff member to the next level. And I think it really starts with trust. I think maybe I don't know, because I don't know if I'm really good at this piece. But, you know, I think teachers and staff have to, like, trust you to to be vulnerable and reflect on their practice and see where they can make changes. And so for me, I really think about building that trust piece in an effort to help that risk-taking, you know, in situations where it might be uncomfortable. I don't know, maybe Katie has some really great advice for us here. 
I don't know. I don't know. Buckle up. <laughs> I don't know. If, but I, I, as I was thinking about this, we have, you know, as, as part of the, the USBE strategic plan is that every child deserves access to a highly effective teacher. And I know that we're talking about more than teacher principal dynamics here, but if your reason for supporting that teacher starts with, I got to help that teacher because not because this is a, an, a, a personnel pain that I have to handle, but that I need to help this teacher because there are kids at stake. Like I need to help this teacher be better for those students. And which challenges you as a leader to find out what's going on. Like why, why has this teacher been labeled or this subordinate been labeled for whatever reason as ineffective? You know, like, is it because somebody told me? Is it because it's something I've actually seen? Is it something parents are complaining about? What's what's going on? And so I think the first step would be listening and like just making sure that you're an active participant in the school. You first need to kind of have an idea of what's going on. And sometimes as a busy leader, if you're just relying on hearsay or what my what my four reliables in the building are interpreting what's happening, we can't just go off of that. We have to make sure that we understand the problem. And then also like Oftentimes, some of these issues are happening because of systemic barriers to being better, you know, and, and that's something a leader can control that an educator or a support staff can't. And so as the, the leader, you need to be able to ask yourself, can I do something here to make it easier for this person to succeed in a real way? So I just think you have to have an educated understanding of what is going on and before you can try to tackle it. And sometimes we shortcut to tackling the problem as we understand it before we've really taken the time to to see all the layers. Yeah. Well, I think of going back to your uh, earlier statement about finding pride in being a firefighter, right? Like, let me tackle this problem. Let me fix it. Like, let me do these things when we're not allowing people the opportunity to reflect and to process, right? Like, we are in the job of people. We work with students, we work with other educators, we work with community members, and with that comes a lot of feelings. And sometimes we need to be able to process those feelings before we can make a plan and make change. And so I love that point about like sometimes leadership starts with, it always should start with listening to find out what the actual problem is instead of just oh, this is the solution that I have on hand or this is the solution that I've used before, but really seeing what's the problem and like how, what's the best solution for everybody involved instead of I just need the quick fix. And I think resisting the urge to outsource supervision. Like sometimes we're like, you know what, coach, go in there and fix this problem. Like this is, this is what I've heard the issue is go watch them and make sure and do and make it better. And it's like, nope, nope, can't do that. Like <laughs> you need to be part of, supporting the development of this teacher, which means you need to be candid with what your understanding of the problem is and listening to what their understanding of the problem is and then finding a way to address it together. Those are the best, the best leaders, the ones that are not afraid to get in, roll their sleeves up and, and get right in the middle of it, you know, go out there and go see. And I think that's huge because then, then they actually have an idea. Like you said, they're not relying on just the people telling them little, little whisper, whisper. They're seeing and they're knowing what's happening. And if we can do that, then it actually humanizes the whole situation. Well, I think a couple of things about what you said, Derek, is that like, so it's, 
whenever you have an administrator who wants to be hands-on like that, I want to know what's going on around the building. Some teachers, some support staff, they need to be kind of prepared for the purpose, you know, because they may have baggage from a previous experience where that wasn't the case, you know, like, whoa, whoa, no one comes into my room. I don't understand what this is. To where, like, I think that's also part of being a skillful leader is conveying their purpose of like, I'm not here to interrogate what you're doing. I'm here to just, I, I have to know what's happening in the school. And that means giving a lot of positive feedback in what they're seeing and, and you know, that, that the teachers feel a reward for having been visited by the administrator. And I, and I also think that there's more reward for the administrator. Like, they're having a better time than those who are stuck in their office who are disconnected from what's happening in the building. Like, the administrator you're describing, I bet, loves his job and loves talking to people. And you can feel that whenever you're talking to him. And that he's confident and that he knows what's going on in the building. He knows what everybody needs. And I think it causes burnout when we disconnect from from the people we're serving. And so I, I just, you know, I know that that's a, maybe a little more, a lot more physical work than sitting in your office. But the reward from that as a leader is that you get to feel excited and happy and knowing the difference that you're making as you're building this culture in the school. I think we should choose one more question to dive into and then wrap up. So Derek, do you have a question you'd like to end on? Yeah. So I think the one that I would probably go with, there's a couple here we haven't looked at, but I think the, the big one is how do leaders, so it, it's hard to be the leader and, and kind of be in charge. And, and we just addressed one of the hardest things of how to deal with ineffective teachers and that's draining on someone. I, I mean, so how do te- how do leaders fill their own bucket to prevent burnout and to continue to support their own teachers. So what do they have to do for themselves so that they don't end up a statistic and are out the door? Well, it's interesting that Katie kind of touched on that. I loved what she was saying about the the reward that administrators, that leaders can have when they support their people. And I feel that way. Like, I feel like my biggest joy is when I am working with librarians and I see progress or I see hope or I see excitement or I'm going to try this or that fills my bucket is, is when I see that they mean their, their happiness is my happiness. It feels like a little bit and I maybe, you know, diminishing that and diminutizing that, but I don't know. I, for me, like that is so rewarding for me. And as long as I am out there continuing to meet librarians and district supervisors and things like that and building those relationships and I see progress I it's impossible for me to burn out I feel like also I don't know if we're gonna be able to say this on a podcast but I did recently hear if it's if it's not a yes if it's not a hell yes it's a no so learning (laughs) how to say no to things when you just don't have the time to do it that would just be a second piece that really resonated with me because I am a yes sayer all the time. Here I am in this podcast with you and maybe I really wanted to say no. <laughs> but I really think finding balance in that way where you can say no to the things that aren't as important and prioritize your students in your building and supporting the work that is happening there. It's easier to discern when you should say yes or when you should pass is if you've got a vision for what you're trying to do. Like, you don't know what you're trying to do, then you're going to say yes to a bunch of stuff that doesn't line up or is incongruent with each other. But if, you know, if you like, here's what I'm, here's what I'm out to do. This is the work I'm trying to do across the state. Then it's easy to say, yep, that lines up or no, but 
you should ask Davina, you know. <laughs> but, but this is where I think like with the burnout piece, we're it also happens when we're disconnected from our purpose. You know, like I'm doing a whole bunch of stuff that like doesn't I don't know why. I don't know why I'm doing it. Or, you know, and I think that what leaders have to do, especially at the LEA level, at the district level, at the charter director level, what they need to do is, am I asking people to do things that they don't understand why, you know, that at best they're going to be compliant with this because, you know, that's, that's what they've agreed to do. This is a job. I'm the boss. You do what I say. But understanding that compliance is not a long-term solution because the second you're not looking, they're going to stop doing it because they never knew why they had to do it in the first place. So I think it tells us as a, as leaders that we have a duty to communicate the why. And we also have a duty to understand our own, you know, like why are we, what are we here to do? And, and what, what will promote what we're trying to do and what will distract from what we're trying to do. Okay. So we, I introduced a new segment to the podcast this year, uh, like a nod to the UELMA connection, and we've labeled it the media moment. So I want you to think about what is something in your world that connects to just one of these library media standards? So there's three ideas that, that they focus on, reading engagement, information and literacy, and media literacy. So I want you to share, it can be like a shout out, something new that you learned or something that you tried that connects to one of those three big ideas. And that will be our media moment. Well, reading engagement, strand one says that reading to pursue intellectual, personal and emotional growth for life. I know that's super boring to say out loud, but I just think that that is why we're here as educators is it, it's not just reading, but it's just that lifelong learning, wanting to just be the best that we can be and have knowledge and help each other. And so, I mean, I just, that just really, I just love that, you know, intellectual, personal and emotional growth for life and what that means for our communities and our school communities. Yeah, I don't know. I could list a million books that I've read that have touched me over the years as a result of that strand. And how do we get kids to have that same passion for intellectual, personal, and emotional growth for life. I think that is really important to focus what, whatever content area that you teach, whatever your school focus and vision is, I think is really important. Katie, which standard would you like to share something on? I think the, the media literacy standard is really interesting to me because we've never been in a time where there was more access to information. You know, like you're at dinner and you're like, what was the movie with that guy that did the thing? Like you Google that and you're going to find the movie. We don't have fights about that anymore. We used to have arguments about who's saying what and when was this, you know, like what, what year did that come out? And we don't have those anymore because it's taken all the sport out of that. <laughs> So that's kind of fun. But on the other hand, you know, kids are now thrust into a world where, you know, it's not just you go to the library and the encyclopedia is the place where credible information is. They've got everything and it's all online and some of it's credible and some of it's not. And helping those kids to be able to see the flags when they're reading is, is huge because we're not going to change that. There's always going to be oodles and oodles of information to to find for whatever question you may ask. And there'll always be, in, you know, things that aren't reliable or, or sources that we can't trust. And we need to teach them 
how to discern whenever they can trust it and when they can't. And I think that I'm so happy that that's such an important part of what we're teaching students now, because there's no reason that they would just know that. Like we had time growing up, well, Davina and I did, uh, of growing up where, where it was, you know, we had to learn from books and papers and that was the way that we learned and our teacher could curate all of the materials for us. And that was, you know, we weren't presented with a lot of banana sources. But now the kids are reading before, <laughs> before anybody curates it for them. And so how can we help them to grow to become informed adults who question things, who critically consider what they're reading? Why might it not be a credible source? What are the motivations behind the author? And and those pieces to where, like, you know, they're not cynical people that just don't trust anything, but that there's a way to win. There's a way to learn and see that. In a way that, you know, they didn't have the same opportunity to grow up where you learned that automatically through pretty much your exposure to nonfiction was curated by a school. And so like that was the the, the case. And so I think that that's a, an interesting thing as well, because we also have young parents who didn't grow up at the time where books and paper were curated by, you know, the school. So in some ways, too, we're helping families as well to kind of help the kids, too, because we all have the same goal. We want them to be safe. We want them to be smart. <laughs> and we just really need to make sure that it's not just uh, the students we're engaging with this, but we're engaging with the school community as well. Mm. And research that. tells us that learning media literacy skills is actually very easy. Like kids can get those skills. Families can, you know, learn those skills very quickly. So it's really important. Thanks for uh, doing my job for me, Katie, for advocating for media literacy. I loved it. I'll always advocate for you, Davina, whatever you're doing. <laughs> you guys are awesome. You guys have, met, have brought in such great pieces. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll speak for Kira and Matt piece that honestly, this was a fabulous episode. And whether, whether you wanted to say yes, super exuberantly right up front or not, we got the right people at the right time because you both brought in pieces that, frankly, we, we couldn't have filled those voids. And you guys hit it so wonderfully. So thanks for being part of the podcast with us tonight. When, if people want to find you outside of this little moment of listening to you in their head, where do they find you online, Davina and Katie? I'm on the X. Is that what we call it now? I mean, I guess. I guess so. I still call it Twitter because I have to stay hard. Too. But the X is great. I'm on the X, formerly known as Twitter, at Katie Dewey Hill, K-A-T-I-E-D-W-E-Y, Hill, the word. Yeah. Well, y'all will have to email me. I did a 30-day detox in May, and I have not gone back, and I do not miss it at all. <laughs> Except for when I hear that I missed, you said Ed chat with you Elma last night. <laughs> it was a party. Yeah, I was like, oh, what? I totally missed that. But so divina.southoff at schools.utah.gov. You can Google me and you'll find my email address. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you so much again for being here. Cure. Yes, 100%. And I was going to say, anyone listening, if you want book recommendations, Davina just gave you her email. So just be like, I need ideas and then she'll send them to you. So totally re reiterate what Derek has said thank you ladies for being on the podcast today and we are so grateful so thank you thank you it's great thank you for having us
Well, that was a great conversation. Derek, what was your favorite part of our conversation with Katie and Davina? You know, even more than just having, this is such a fun experience because every, every month we get to talk to somebody new we get to bring people in and just having the discussions because I haven't sat and talked with Katie for a long time. Mm. And so that was just awesome in itself. But, you know, I love Katie kept bringing up, she had a theme you're going to find out in there that, about leadership that you've got to get out of your space. You can't just live in your office. You can't just live in wherever it is. You've got to be out amongst the people you're working with, whether that is your fellow teachers, whether that is the, you're the principal and you've got your teachers in a building or your professionals or whatever it is, you need to be out amongst them. And the more you do that, the better it is. Um, and I love Davina. She made a comment about the fact that sometimes you have to do non-work things to make the work things happen. And she shared a quick example about a CEO that couldn't get to her, their desk without like an hour of people wanting to have small talk all along. And sometimes we think that's pointless, but that CEO's coach said, no, that's the best, the most important part of your day. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to remember that, that not in a cringy way, but we, we can become family-like in the sense that we can have actual feelings and actual relationships appropriate, obviously with our coworkers to make it actually feel more productive. And it will pay off in the longer run. If you truly know that, First, you're working with cares and that you actually care about them as well. I love those two pieces. Yeah. How about you? What stood out to you? Yeah. My big takeaways, I think, from this session was this idea of leaders have clear priorities and clear, like, and a clear vision that they've communicated. So I firmly believe that leadership is found across the board. Anyone can be a leader. But part of being a leader is making sure that your goals are clear to everybody else that you are working with. And that, like, I think Katie's talked about the why, like they're really clear on what the why is. And if they know that, then I think it's easier for them to see where their strengths fit into the group, right? It's like, okay, I know where we're headed. I know why we're going that way. This is what I can bring to the table. And I think the more that you can empower individuals to bring their strengths to support the group, one, you're building capacity for them to be a leader, but then two, you are using your resources well, right? You're seeing, I can't do this all by myself. I'm going to make sure that I bring in the best people to get it done. And that's part of creating support systems to making sure things work well. And then the second point that I really loved was that all of this is in service of our students. We want to create the best learning environment. And I think it was Sharon says so on Instagram. She says that students, excuse me, teachers working conditions are students learning conditions. And as leaders, we want to create the best possible learning in, or professional environment for our teachers so that we can have the best possible learning environment for our kids. And I think that all boils down to the quality of leadership you have in your building, be it teachers, be it mentors, coaches, paraprofessionals, um, admin, everybody can be a leader and they can create the best environment for learning. Yeah, it's 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 so crucial. If, if you don't feel safe or you don't feel like you're supported, you can't do what you need to do. And so those are some of the best administrators that can really make that work and show it. I agree with you fully. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I'm excited for everyone to tune in. And next month we are talking about resources and how professional learning uses the appropriate resources. So I'm excited to get into that discussion with our next guest. Yes, keep it coming. Mm-hmm.